Good morning. It's good to see you this morning, to be able to spend this time of worship with you on what has already been mentioned, a beautiful, beautiful fall morning that we have that we can be together here and worship God together. I really, really enjoy this time of year. I enjoy the weather. I enjoy the trees. I enjoy everything that comes with this time of the year. And and we know there are a lot of things that come with this time of the year that we don't get to enjoy at other times of the year, right? I mean, in one way, food-wise, we have now that we don't get all of the time, not just pumpkin-spiced coffee drinks, we now have pumpkin-spiced everything. Have you noticed that? Everything is pumpkin spice now. I don't know exactly when that started, but we only get that right now at this time of the year. But there's also an emotion that seems to be heightened at this time of the year, especially with holidays at this time of the year. And that emotion, that emotion is fear. Right? A fear is something that is played upon at this time of the year. Listen, here's the reality. Not everybody, I know, but I enjoy a good, scary movie. I do. I love it. I love a scary movie, and I love going to a haunted house and being scared. I enjoy those things. I love uh, involving myself in those kinds of things. We've had a house full of kiddos for the last several days, and every single night we have played a game that is built upon fear, that the whole game is built upon fear, and it has really been enjoyable. And maybe you enjoy those kinds of things, maybe you don't, but fear at this time of the year is a lot of times something that people enjoy. But generally speaking, we don't love fear. Spiritually speaking, I will put fear as probably our greatest obstacle to speaking for and about Jesus and to living a life dedicated to him. Now, it takes a lot of different faces, and it goes in a lot of different directions, but a lot of times what it will come down to is fear. We find ourselves in a circumstance where we know saying something holy or saying something moral or saying something righteous needs to be said, but it's not going to be popular in the group that I am. And so I shrink back and I don't say it. Why? Because of fear. Sometimes we find ourselves at work or at school and an event or something is happening that everyone else is involved in, and my conscience and my God says, you need not to involve yourself in that. But yet, I see everyone is involved in that. And if I don't involve myself in that, I will be standing alone. And people will notice me because of that. And maybe they will ridicule me because of that. Maybe they will laugh at me because of that. Maybe they won't be my friend anymore because of that. And so I involve myself in that, and I do so because of fear. It is a crippler of the Christian. It is a crippler of the Christian. And you know what? God knows. He knows it's a crippler. He knows it's an obstacle. He knows it's an issue. That is why 
throughout Scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you find passages like we saw in Joshua chapter 1 that Dennis read for us, God commanding us to be courageous. Did you take notice of that? Did you take notice of that, that when we see passages like we saw in Joshua chapter 1 and the command that we have to not fear, is that a command? It isn't a suggestion. It isn't God saying, you know what, that is one way to go, but maybe think of this. It is a command. Be strong and courageous. It is a command. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Over and over and over and over again in Scripture. So many times. It is so difficult because I attempted it this week to put a number on. How many times in Scripture we are commanded not to fear? Why? So often. Because it is so difficult for us. You see, you had Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 who was embarking upon something that seemed and looked and sounded scary. He's thinking back into the past, a generation right before, who cowered in fear because of the task that he was about to go into. And so as he is standing up against what seems, what looks, what sounds super scary, God says, don't be afraid of that. I'll be with you. Don't be scared of that. And so that is us. And so the quick application this morning, and we're certainly going to build upon it, but the same holds true for us. There are times in our life where we come up against circumstances at work, at school, at home, out in the community, where speaking for God or speaking about God or doing for God seems scary. But he tells us the same thing. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid to say that. Don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid not to say that. Don't be afraid not to do that. Don't be afraid. You'd be strong and courageous. So the question often becomes, how do I do that? How do I get there? Well, for Joshua, it's one thing. And for us, it's going to be something uh, very similar. But we're going to have Jesus help us with that. We're going to look at a passage this morning in Matthew chapter 10. We're going to look towards the very end of that context. I'll give you a quick, kind of a brief outline about all that's kind of taking place. In Matthew chapter 10, you have Jesus, and he's often sending his apostles out. We, we often will def, kind of describe this as a limited commission, and, and he's going to send them out. He's going to send them out to preach and to let people know, listen, and to teach the kingdom of heaven is in hand. And you're going to go out, and you're going to preach this, and you're going to tell people of Israel about this. And he's going to send them out to get this task done. But he tells them it's not always going to be easy. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be persecutions. There's going to be people that aren't interesting, interested to hear what you have to say, that aren't going to be interested or love what it is that you're doing. There is going to be problems for you. And so as he describes all these problems, he closes this text 
here's how you overcome it. I was reading it this week, and I'm like, that's where we are. That's where I am. I've been tasked by God to go out into the world and proclaim him. And I do so with my words. I do so with my life. And at times there's difficulty there. At times there's persecutions. At times there are things that are scary. But even here in this passage, it is Jesus as he is helping them, is helping me, is helping you to overcome that fear. To fear not. And so he does it in several different pieces. And we're going to take a look at them because it really is a great passage that takes us on a practical journey to overcome the fear that so often gets in our way. And I hope you're excited to go along with me. Before we do that, I want to welcome everyone this morning. We have a lot of folks with us this morning, a lot of visitors with us this morning, and we are honored that you are here with us worshiping God together. We've made mention it is a beautiful day, but what an incredible opportunity that we've had today in such a reverential way to worship and to praise God this morning. What a great opportunity that we have for him to help us live the life that he has asked us to live. What a great opportunity we have over the next few minutes. I'm excited for it on the journey that we're going to go on together, and I hope you are excited as well. Let's begin. In Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 24. Matthew chapter 10 and verses 24 and 25. How is it that Jesus wants us to overcome this fear? He begins with this, expect suffering. Don't be surprised when it happens. Look at what he has to say. Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. He says this, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher, and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? You see, Jesus is making the point. You need to expect difficulty. You need to expect suffering. And he uses the example that, listen, men persecuted me. They caused me problems. Why should you expect anything different? And for us, from our perspective, as we see the complete picture of Jesus' life, That we could say men persecuted Jesus, men spoke poorly of Jesus, men caused problems of Jesus. Why then should I expect anything different from that as a follower of his? And the answer is, I shouldn't. And that should then affect my mindset. And there's something incredible that happens in the New Testament with followers of Jesus who has the right mindset that they're able to go even beyond just expecting suffering but to rejoice in it. That is a huge step forward. And not just to expect it, but to rejoice in it. And why are they able to rejoice in it? Because Jesus dealt with it. We'll give you two examples of that. You don't hold your finger in Matthew chapter 10. We're certainly going to come back to that. But I want you to look forward in your New Testament to the book of Acts. One passage in the book of Acts, one passage in the book of Philippians. And I want you to listen close to the phrasing that's used 
with reference to their persecution. Look at Acts chapter 5 beginning very early on in the Lord's church. Very early on. Look at verse 40 of Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 and verse 40. It says they agreed with them. And when they had called for the apostles, they had called for the apostles, they had gotten into some trouble for preaching Jesus, and there was a big hubbub about that. And they agreed with them. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, and they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Now picture in your mind here the apostles have been grabbed. They have been beaten And they have been told, you will not speak of Jesus anymore. How do they react to that? Well, listen, their mind is right. How do we know? Look at what they say, verse 41. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing. Why? Why were they rejoicing? They had just gotten beaten. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy. Why? To suffer shame for his name. What an incredible mindset that is. Look at another example of that in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And really an incredible passage about the Apostle Paul now as he's writing to the brethren in Philippine. He's talking about all of the things in his life that he has given up because of Christ. And he's happy to do so. Look how it concludes that. And listen to his phrasing. He says in verse 8 of Philippians chapter 3, he says, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ." And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Listen, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And here's the phrase I love. And the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. What an interesting phrase that is. All of these things that he enjoys, his righteousness, God's power, the fellowship of his suffering. What an incredible mindset that is. And so when Jesus, back in Matthew chapter 10, wants the apostles and all of us to not fear, he wants us first to have the right mindset. You expect suffering because you are one of mine. You relish that even. You rejoice in that. Secondly, he goes on as his journey kind of begins to unfold to say, listen, you don't have to fear because you don't have anything to hide. You don't have anything to be ashamed of. Back to Matthew chapter 10, now verse 26. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, you speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, you preach on the housetops. You don't have anything to fear because you don't have anything to be ashamed of. You don't have anything to hide. Everything is out. Everything is open. Everything is to the point that we should be proud of. So what that means is followers of Jesus should be open. 
should be courageous in their lives and in their speech because we have nothing to hide. Because our task isn't to please men, it is to proclaim God in his message. We have nothing to hide. Certainly from man, because man isn't scary. But there is a point that Christ makes next is even though we have nothing to hide that we are to fear for sure but we are to fear God and fear him alone look at verse 28 the very next verse do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell all that man can do is kill the body that's it that's all that man can do but God is able to kill both the body and the soul. And so the man then that fears God and fears God alone need never fear any man or any group of men. There's a phrase I ran across. I had written it down here so I wouldn't forget it. It's one of those lines that you run across sometimes in reading things or studying for things that you read it and you're like, oh, man, I wish I would have said that. Uh, That is such a cool sentence, and I I wish it was mine, and uh, it isn't. But it is one that I really like. You've got to listen to it close. I'll give it to you a couple of times. But really, it was a great eye-opening sentence for me this week. On this point here in verse 28, the fear of God is the fear that cancels out fear. And I thought, what an interesting way to say that. The fear of God is the fear that cancels out fear. I need not fear man because I fear God. I need not fear what can happen here because I fear God and what he is able to do. I need not fear what man does. I need to be fearing what God can do. And so when we think about it that way, fearing God alone cancels all of the fear that I would fear here. Now, that's a lot of fears and hears, right? I mean, it's getting very Dr. Seussie, but it, it is the reality that we're in. Fearing God alone is the fear that cancels out fear. And so God says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Because God cares for his own. 29, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? Not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. And so Jesus says, listen, you don't have to fear because if God cares for the sparrows in such a spectacular way, You remember he doesn't just just use the phrase, hey, God cares for the birds, and then moves on. No, listen to what he says. He cares for the sparrows. Not one of them falls to the ground apart from the Father's will. That's how much care he has for the small little birds. And if God is going to care for the sparrows in such a spectacular way, will he not care for his own who is serving him? To God, we are of much higher value than many sparrows, he says. Not just the one that he knows, you are of more value than many sparrows. 
What's the level of protection that God has for his own? Right down to the very hairs on our head. We often use that phrase to reference God's knowledge of us, and that's right to do so, but think about it in how he protects us. He protects me so spectacularly down to the individual hairs on my head. And so Jesus now will move us into what do we do with all of this information? What do we do with all of this? And he says that Jesus will honor those who confess him. I think in a lot of ways in this passage, in these two verses, 32 and 33, are the most important to picture for us this morning. In verse 32, he says this, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I also will confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Let's picture this passage together. This idea of confessing certainly means so much more than just to make a statement with our lips is to back that up with our life. And now paint the picture with me. Jesus says, if you have confessed me, if you have proclaimed me, if you have spoken of me, if you have lived for me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. Let's picture that. Let's picture that. We are standing up in heaven on judgment day. We are standing up in heaven and God is there. And Jesus is there. And you step forward to give an account of your life. You step forward before God to give an account of the life that you've lived. Picture it. Picture it this morning with me. You step forward to give an account of your life. And God looks over to Jesus. And Jesus says this, he's one of mine. This one, this is one of mine. What an unbelievable picture that is. To the Father, this one, this one is one of mine. It's an incredible picture. And I'm telling you, for me, I I won't, answer for you this morning, but for me, I want that desperately. I want that desperately. What an incredible feeling that is. For Jesus there with God to say, this one, this one is one of mine. It's a powerful picture. But you know what else is powerful? Verse 33. Because I want you also to picture this. Verse 32 is fun to picture. It's great. I love it. I enjoy it. I enjoy picturing 32. But this morning, I beg of you to picture 33. How devastating it would be. Picture the same thing. The same scenario. You're standing before God in judgment, and you're going to give an account of your life. And you're standing there. And God looks to Jesus, and he says... I don't know this one. 
I don't, I don't, I don't know this one. And maybe we've been here, and we've been, we've been, we've been saying, "I love Jesus." And maybe God says, "Well, you, you know, Jesus, they've been saying they love me." Jesus, I, I don't, I don't know this one. It's a frightening image. And as badly as I want, verse 32, is as badly as I don't want, verse 33. You put yourself before God this morning. You think about your life. You think about the way that you proclaim Him. You think about the way you handle fear. And you think about if you were standing before God this morning and He looked to Jesus and he raises an eyebrow, what would Jesus say? Yes, he's one of mine. Or, I don't know who that is. It is a powerful, powerful picture. Let's close. Let's close. Look at verse 34 through 39. He says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. You see here, here's the reality that we have. As Jesus paints this picture of an incredible confession that we make before men concerning him. Once we confess Jesus and we are identified with him, we are at war. And we talk about that all the time. But I really want us to step into what is the reality. Is we're always at war. Either way. Either way, we are at war with the world on God's side, or we are at war with God on the world's side. And so each of us has to decide. Am I going to take up the cross and follow him? Or am I not going to do that? You see, the way that it's described for us here, to take up his cross and to follow after Christ, to carry a cross, it means so much more than putting a necklace around our necks or a sticker on our car. It means to confess Christ before men. It means to obey Him in spite of the shame, in spite of the suffering. It means to deny ourselves daily. We see as this section closes in verse 39, Jesus closes with this idea. There are only two choices. You spare your life and your will or you sacrifice that life and will. There's no middle ground. But Jesus gives us the outcome to make the choice easier. If we protect our own interests, we will be losers. 
But if we die to ourselves and we live for Christ and his interests, we will be winners. The outcome has already been decided. And so Jesus is trying to make it as easy as he can for us. I protect my own interests and I cower to fear and pressure and buckle to the world. I can do that. I can choose to war against God. I can choose to be a loser. I can choose to stand before God in judgment and have Christ say, I don't know this one. I can choose that. Or I can choose to stand courageous in the face of fear. I can revel even in difficulty and persecution for his name's sake. I can live a life that proclaims him in the way that I speak and the things that I do and the way that I live. I can stand before God in judgment as he looks to his son and Jesus nods in confirmation, this is one of mine. And God then to say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter in, a victor. Those are the two choices that we have. I've got to make a choice for myself. You have to make a choice for yourself. Am I going to stand up to fear and difficulty in this world or am I going to cower before it? Jesus, God, commands his people to not fear man, commands us to be courageous. And he gives us all the tools that we need to do so. And so as we sing this song of invitation that Tim is going to lead us in, it causes us, it gives us an opportunity to be thinking about those things. And if you are here this morning, and because of your sin, your relationship with God doesn't exist, And you know that that sin needs to be taken care of. And you know and you are aware that that happens through the waters of baptism. And you've been putting that off for whatever reason. Let's not put that off anymore. Let's choose Christ. Let's choose victory this morning. Or maybe you've been living a life of fear. You've been living a life where each and every day you don't proclaim Christ. You don't live for him. You may pay him lip service, but you don't live for him. Well, if that's the case, I encourage you to make a change today. Repent of that. Beg of Christ forgiveness. And I believe he'll give it. Maybe we can help with that in some way. If we can in any of those areas or any other spiritual way, you let us know as we stand and as we sing.